Hi everyone, welcome to We Should Play. This is a show where we sit down and talk about a game and how each of us handled it differently. I'm so excited about this month's game, A Plague Tale. It's had me hooked since chapter one, so I'm really ready to continue our discussion. Plague Tale continues to break my heart and I wanna talk about this in a therapeutic setting with you guys, so I am excited. <laughs> Well, we have reached the midway point of our journey, handling the plague and basically whatever is going on with Hugo, but things are getting a little sketchy if I say so myself. If we follow the aqueduct, we should arrive at Chateau d'Ambrage before nightfall. Alright, we're starting off our discussion today with Chapter 5, The Raven's Spoils. We have survived escaping the Laurentius' farm and need to follow the aqueduct to safety. We need to sneak through battlefields, pass guards, hordes of rats, you know, the same horrific experiences we had in the previous chapters. It's all traumatizing stuff, but I feel like at this point, chapter five, we are knee deep, literally and metaphorically in rats, in dead bodies, in basically anything that's disgusting out there. They're just picking the worst themes of everything and they're just adding it. They're just going through the whole fear factor list and they're just throwing everything that disgusts you into this game. Yeah, speaking of fear factor list, there is a section in this chapter that literally I like threw my mouse because I got jump scared. You walk up on this horse. I knew you're, yeah, the horse. And it's like moving a little bit, like there's something in its stomach. And like nothing happens until you start walking forward and the horse explodes <laughs> and all these rats fly out of it. Do you notice they come out like a geyser? Like, what is that about? Why do they explode outward? What is projecting them outwards? They just build up underground like lava yeah. and shoot out. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to pop off, literally and metaphorically. But, you know, it's- Pop off, it's... rats. I mean, pop come off, on. Pop off, rat kings. You're walking through this weird little leading way, guiding way to a battlefield that is covered in soldiers' bodies. What'd you guys think of that that reveal as far as gore goes? But that shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, the gore shouldn't be a surprise, but it's it really hit me when Hugo says, Amicia, do we have to step on them? I I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. That made it gross. And I was looking at the the walking animation. I was like, this is the same animation as when you're walking through mud, right? But I could still feel see the feet kind of going and pressing against the body. I think there's a point in the game where like Hugo starts having a, a headache in this chapter and you're like, Hugo, what's wrong? And I just want to be like, everything, everything is wrong. The, fa the fact he's not freaking out 24-7 is weird. Like, I would be, we're walking through a battlefield of corpses. You have a demon child. Like, rats are living and killing everyone around us. Like, yeah, you should be freaking out. He's so Unfazed. desensitized at this point. He might be the villain, let's be honest. If he's not reacting to any of this... My man's seen something. He had to have. There's a part in the game where there's the guy walking around with a torch among the battlefield, and there's a bunch of rats around him. And then I don't know what the dialogue was. It's like, are you sure you want to do this? And they're like, it's the only way. And you send a rock hurtling towards this little lamp and you break the lamp and the rats swarm him. It was so dark, and that is like a fight mechanic for the rest of the session. Yeah. Because yeah. you can now knock out guards' lights so that they get eaten by the rats, and so you can escape. 
Which, I mean, I guess Amicia's doing what she needs to do for them to be safe, but that's super dark. That is, yeah. Two birds, one stone, like, literally and metaphorically. There's a scene when you're walking through um, the rats and stuff. You go to the section, and you see this guy who's trying to open a gate. He's part of the Inquisition. He's trying to open the gate up uh, to escape, but the gate is stuck. So you have a torch. You need to make your way through this corridor, but there's rats between you and this guard. So as you approach the guard and the exit, you're also pushing the rats towards him. And he's telling you, please, please, please don't, don't kill me, please. But he's also a member of the Inquisition. I want to know what you guys did. Mm-hmm. I killed him. Oh my Push god! Push them rats. Push yep. the rats to the moon. Like, what do you... <laughs> Are we going to excuse what they did to our parents? <laughs> Not him in particular. He didn't do it. Association. It's all association. Association. I'm thinking like Amicia now. I have to do it. So I think it's time that we break out our wrenches or screwdrivers, if we have any. You know, it's time to craft mm-hmm. some things. It's time to get into Mechanic Minute. Now, I had a problem with this game. I don't know if it was me. I don't know if it was Hugo. I'm going to blame Hugo because I got to continue that narrative. This chapter kicked off what I thought was a difficulty spike. I also caught on for the fact that, yes, this is the kind of sort of midway point of the game. And this is where developers were kind of saying to themselves, what could we exactly do to make this fresh? Like, there's only so much holding back rats with torches and hitting people in the head, like all that stuff. But I want to ask you guys, was there a difficulty spike? And were you a fan of using more of your, like, your, for lack of better terms, band of merry men as far as like using Hugo more, using Lucas to hold up certain objects? For, but first, the difficulty spike. Did you guys encounter this or is it just me? I definitely experienced this. I think it's also because we are now out of the tutorial section of the game. It's really throwing you in. You now know how to use all of the skills that Amicia has. But like you said, using Hugo or Lucas to do things, I think is really fun because it feeds into the puzzle mechanic of the game too. I will say I do like the use of Hugo and Lucas and stuff. And I think that they expand on that even more as um, you get another ally. It's a puzzle. It reminds me a bit uh, in the sense of like, have you heard of that like joke riddle thing where it's like, you have a chicken, you have a wolf, and you have like a sheep, and yes. you gotta, when you put them in the boat, you gotta transfer them to the other side of the river. I feel like that's how the game feels sometimes. You gotta orchestrate, like, all right, who's going where and doing what and holding what? Now, a question I gotta pose to both of you to wrap up Mechanic Minute. Who would you trust to do the most in this world? Mm. Would you trust Hugo? Would you trust Lucas, who I thought sold you out, but who would you trust more? Um, excuse me. Lucas is my favorite character. I love Lucas. How could you say that? How could you say that? Hey, he bartered something. And I feel like that's going to come up again, but that's for later on. Lucas, I think, hands down for someone I would trust to help me. But I think I would feel very guilty if I just had to leave Hugo behind. (laughs) Yeah, the thing is, Hugo is like winning me over. I think I think I was on the fence with him last session. I I care about Hugo. I love Hugo. We had a hug during this game uh, section. Yeah. I feel it really bonded us. We all know he's hiding something, but he's not. He's gonna do something. He's gonna do something big. I'm calling. He's not it now. hiding anything, Kevin. He is four <sighs> years old. 
He has Those something in him. It's always the little kids in the horror movies, I'm telling you. <laughs> Hugo. And before we even get to chapter six, we get captured, which I feel like we've been running for so long, and this is this is it. This is the end. Um, Amicia has to go back for Hugo, who tripped, and Hugo is trapped, and we have to save him. Is that three knocks on Hugo now? I think that's three. <laughs> so we're moving on to chapter six, Damage Goods. Amicia meets Melly and Arthur, who help her and Hugo escape from the campsite. This is the section where you can decide how to pass by the guards. You can either sneak or kill. It's totally up to you. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this because I think it is such a gamer's preference. So this is going to be stealth or brute force. So in A Plague's Tale, much like other stealth games, you can decide whether to sneak past enemies in challenging sections or go in slingshot blazing. So do you think it is easier or even more beneficial to hide or to kill enemies? I'm changed. Like normally my game plan, go in, just take name. But in this game particular, like just keeping it straight up to A Plague's Tale, stealth is the way to go because again, you're... A little child with a slingshot and grant you there are sometimes guards come at you and you can hit them but if you miss that one shot you get it's over so more or less i'm gonna go stealth here i respect the decision to spare the lives of these innocents but i have to say murder is the only option for me at this point oh. yeah i think I have failed this chapter more than any other chapter. I have been caught so many times to the point that, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm killing every one of you. You don't think I can scrounge up enough rocks to put in your brains? I can. Challenge me. Whether I pick stealth or brute force is totally dependent on the game. And I feel like this is a game that does it really well where you can kind of pick and you can kind of mix and match. I enjoy like the stealth mechanic of it. Like, hey, hey you didn't see me. And then I can like sneak past them. <laughs> but I do think there is some benefit to just knocking people out and then being able to explore that section without worrying about it. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is the, when you stealth, they're always gonna come back around. And that freaks me out. That freaks me out so bad because I get so nervous. That training on a dead body. Yes, that's war for you. My favorite, favorite thing was there's so many like alchemy uh, materials for you to steal from. Were, were you going out of your way to kind of grab this stuff or were you like, you know what, I just need to get out of here? I think whenever I found things, I went in that direction and that kind of steered me through the guards. Like if I saw something shining, I was going that way. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't like fully seeking it out, but if I saw it, I was going to make a detour. There was also like a tent where the guards, like I couldn't tell if they were sleeping, drunk or eating. And there's a bunch of these bottles around on the floor. And then there's one of those elixirs on the floor that you can pick up. And it's a mechanic that I often overlook in games where, like, in a game like Skyrim, you go into a, a room, you find a chest, you just rapidly pick up everything. You don't think the noise from picking up the object will trigger a guard. In this sense, it did. And I never thought about this in any way, shape, or form. But it's like, they heard me pick up this bottle, and then they just swarmed me. It was like, that was over for me. Yeah, I had that experience, too, of just, like, walking or picking up anything too close can trigger anything. 
Oh, yeah, and that doesn't stop me at all. Like, I will absolutely put everyone at risk by picking up that alcohol. So, Melly, Hugo, and Amicia forge forward solving puzzles and hiding from the Inquisition until they find and save Lucas in order to continue their journey along the aqueduct or the Duck, as Hugo calls it. I think that's so adorable. I think this chapter is great just because, like, we have another character. They're, they're adding a different dynamic to this relationship. And it's kind of weird in the sense that I think that Melly doesn't originally like Amicia. I think she's very... Every little thing that comes out of her is just sass. It's just like, oh, well, you, you're a rich girl. You don't really know what's been going on over here. She's kind of mean, if I'm being honest. And yet they try to push this idea that these two become friends a little too quick. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I agree. It was so fast from going... Like, when we first meet her, she's very snarky. And then mm -hmm. this chapter towards the end, they're, like, best friends planning, like, their lives in a castle <laughs> together. Yeah, I thought they hated each other. And so I thought, like, did I miss a memo? Did I did I miss, like, a, a special bonding scene? I I hated it. You always see it in movies where it's like, eh, like, the prim and proper, at least in her world, um, Amicia is prim and proper. She's the queen. She's mm -hmm. high society but you see her in action taking control there's also times too within the camp where she's like you got the sling you should take the lead so it's like maybe through those moments where she's kind of seeing you like take charge and actually do something versus getting yourself killed maybe that's what helps the bond a little bit especially since she's so rough and tough i i agree like that makes sense for them to bond over that like because I, I totally agree there are a lot of times where melly's like yeah you can do it just do it slingshot girl slingshot princess whatever mm -hmm. um but then there's no like moment after that where it's like where she says that was pretty cool i i, I guess you're i guess you're not the highborn i thought you were it's just like okay thanks i can move now it, it's just like okay yeah. well give us something please <laughs> I feel like it could also be a thing of, like, they're all kids. And I feel like when you're a kid, you don't, like, question things. You're like, hey, you want to be friends? And then like, you're just <laughs> friends all of a sudden. That's a really good point. Honestly, that might be the, the argument that does it for me. <laughs> it looks like it's dry, but there's a pit in the way. It's full of rats. It's another trap. Basically, the whole point of this puzzle is to make sure all the rats go into the pit. Which is super, super satisfying, like you guys are saying. I think it's just seeing them there because up until this moment, we, we had to uh, use ham and killing guards to kind of get them to swarm over different places. So we were weaving around the rats, but now we got rid of the rat problem permanently. Welcome to your pit. Welcome to your new home. Okay. We have controlled the rats. We're going to use the, that's going to be the new mechanic for the next couple chapters, hoard all the rats together. And then you just release them to Ooh. do your bidding. Ooh. That would be cool. That would be cool. Watch it actually Amicia happens. becomes queen of the rats. Go off, rat queen. Mm -hmm. Are you awake already? Chapter 8, Our Home, allows the player to walk through the castle as Amicia has a break from combat and sneaking. And this is a great breather because it's what's to come on the children's journey. At this point, you have Lucas, you have Melly, Hugo, Amicia and you come into this castle, castle de orphanage, I don't know. And <laughs> this is basically your base. You got I your beach this. episode, Nina. You got your beach. I this did. 
They got some relaxation. They got to chill out. This castle is beautiful. I mean, yeah, it is like in ruins, but it's really pretty. I, I was actually surprised at how they were talking about the castle as they approached it, because they're like, this place is amazing. This is the greatest place ever. Uh, and it's like this broken down, run down castle. But I'm like, OK, I guess as a kid, owning a castle was pretty dang sweet, even though it's busted up. It's a big glow up from where they were, like underneath that little like that hidden room. The breather alone for them is great. And also Lucas was at work making this what he called the great work. I love I love the names. But um and he also said like this elixir would light Hugo's path. What what does that mean? Like is he gonna figure out like he's gonna enter the like avatar state and like walk this path to like somewhere? But would you do you think we're going to get a cure for him, or you think it's just kind of let it happen? I don't think a cure's coming. I awesome. don't think so. No, definitely not. Uh, let's let's take a moment to observe the fact that Hugo's had these headaches now for a while. Th these black veins are going up this kid's face. I've been watching this happen since chapter six, and I'm like, why are we not talking about him turning? I just like noticed. Yeah, I, I started to notice early on. And I felt it's, it was so weird that Amicia wasn't saying anything. Oh, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't see a happy situation for Hugo just because of the way this game goes. Like, I feel like Hugo's either going to get turned into some evil thing because of, like, all that those black veins. Maybe he turns into the villain. Or I don't know. Lucas did say, like, it, and I finally figured out what it's called. Macula. At least that's what I thought he said. Yeah, he that's said, what he's... He called the sickness macula, but he said Hugo is nearing the first threshold. This is something the mother and Laurentis were trying to hold off for a while. And he said that the sickness depends on the host. So at first, Hugo was very upset. And like he obviously didn't get along with Amicia. Could the sickness change moving forward as they're growing together more? They're really becoming brother and sister. It, that's also, like, a big question moving forward. Like, how is Hugo's sickness going to adapt to, like, him and how he feels or how he feels about others? Like, does it affect other people? That's true. I, I mean, when Lucas talked about it, he said the macula is neither good nor evil. It kind of just reacts to its host. So is it just that if... Um, Hugo is just doing good things and being happy and enjoying frogs of the creek, then it will have good effects on him. Or if he's just like straight up killing people or experiencing traumatizing events, it's gonna be this dark thing. I, I, I don't know. Come see the butterflies. Looks like someone's having a good time. <laughs> I am still getting pleasantly surprised by this game. Um, maybe sometimes not so pleasantly, because, you know, that horse that exploded um, really scared me. <laughs> but I'm actually a really huge fan of the puzzle and sneaking aspect of this. I think it's done so well. So I'm going to stick with my four out of five, because I'm not completely blown away, but I am still very, very impressed with this whole section. This game is just growing on me so much. I used to fear it, but now I have all these tools and I feel like I can handle all the problems they're throwing my way. I'm feeling empowered. I'm feeling into the story. 
This game is a 4.5. This game should be a 5. I don't know why I'm not giving it a 5. I just... I just feel like I shouldn't. You know what? It's a 5. It's a 5. So... Okay. First I love it. of the series. All I'll right. say it. I really like what they're doing as far as expanding on the very limited mechanics they have. Also, too, the story, the bonds that are growing. Bonds that might be broken later on. Who knows? But I'm going to give it a four out of five right now. I feel as if that five is coming very, very soon. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everyone. We'll be talking chapters nine through 12 next week, so be sure to come back for that. And make sure to answer our question of the week. Do you prefer sneaking around, being a real sneaky sneak, or do you prefer just handling your problems with brute force in video games? Also, you can join our Discord to chat with us more, and don't forget to like and subscribe right here. All right, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye.